Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for being here today. I'm so excited to learn about your book. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's just jump in. Tell me your genre, your book, everything about you. Okay. Uh, where do I start? So, well, my book, uh, my book is She Runs With Wolves. Uh, this is my first published uh, book and it is a fantasy slash sci-fi dystopian uh, novel. And it's about uh, this um, not young woman, uh, I guess I'd, you know, say 28, 29, 30, um, who is uh, kind of captive. Well, so basically, so let's set the setting first. So we're basically into the future. It's post-apocalyptic. Uh, we're in the desolate winter. And uh, basically, it's kind of like this tribal feel. So it's uh, heavily influenced by Mad Max and all those genres, if you uh, enjoy that type of um of material and uh, so basically yeah so we're thrown into uh this setting and this young woman who's a captive of the evil king uh discovers that she's pregnant and she doesn't want to submit her child to the same atrocities that she has um endured so she plans her escape and that's kind of where we start the book and so uh, she escapes and she falls into the hands of this underground religious cult, which she doesn't know much of, but then realizes that she's playing like a center part of it. And uh, all the while she's like unraveling physically, emotionally, and she doesn't understand, but her body is basically shutting down. And, uh, and she kind of discovers that she's going to have to give up part of who she is if she wants to um, save her baby, save the cult, save everything. And so the question at that point becomes like, is she willing to sacrifice everything not knowing, you know? So in all that mix, uh, we have some some artificial intelligence. We have uh, three wolves that will guide her and, uh, and all that good stuff. And, you know, for those that are sensitive, I will say that uh, there is some heavy violence. So there's a lot of blood. <laughs> I do enjoy my killing. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of blood and a lot of uh, violence and, uh, and she's pretty badass. So the main character era is pretty badass. So. Very cool. It sounds like definitely an adult book. Yep. But definitely also something that you can dig into and enjoy thoroughly. Well, it's it's an it's like a new adult book with so basically that it's funny that you should say that because I really, really enjoy uh, young adult novels. Um, and I will include in that, um, like Jane Austen, you know, Pride and Prejudice and all that, the coming of age, young women who kind of uh, discover their true potential 
as they go through a series of events, right? So I really enjoy that. And I enjoyed it when I was, you know, a young, um, you know, teenager and everything. But as I got older, and I love rereading uh, old books that I enjoy, for example, Pride and Prejudice. But what I found was that as I got older, I didn't necessarily have so when you read these young female protagonists, you know, they start off, they're like 15, 16. And by the end of the novel, they're maybe, you know, a year older. So 17, 18, and they have it all figured out. <laughs> and I'm like, I was here, you know, pregnant at 20, no, sorry, 30. Yeah, 30 about. And I was like, I have nothing figured out. And, you know, now it's like many years down the road and I still have got nothing figured out. So I find I found that I was kind of like, I, I kind of found that I kind of outgrew the, the, the those tropes and those things, but I still enjoyed them. And I outgrew them because I was like, well, I'm still stuck. And how come they got it all figured out yeah. until I realized that not many people, not many women have it figured out. You know, it's not that simple. And and there's always questions and there's always that. Am I doing it right? Or or is this how it should be done? Or I feel like Ugh, my life, you know, isn't moving the direction that I wish it was moving in. So all those questions were still there uh, and nothing was figured out so that's why I kind of this was kind of like the instigation for this book is that I felt like writing a book that hit the, all those themes that I thoroughly enjoy in young adult novels um, but with an older protagonist uh, somebody that looked and felt like me you know and that had the same questions and that was like okay so this is a more mature novel asking the same questions and I kind of can relate because I'm that age right so that's where it all started from. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. I love it. That's very cool because you're right. Like at every stage of life, there is that other adventure, other question, other, you know, where am I going next? Yeah. I really don't have the next stage figure out, or I don't really have a plan for this stage exactly. of my life. And yet on all those changes bring about all those questions. So exactly. I love, yeah. I love the fact that you brought it into that old character. I do have a question from what you were talking about before. So you're talking about running with wolves. Are these actual wolves or are these werewolf characters? No, they're actual wolves. Okay. So there's no uh, werewolf. Um, uh, yeah, it has nothing to do with werewolves. Um, so they're actual wolves and they're meant. So I don't want to say too much. Um, so basically they're meant as guides. They're meant as, so basically, you know, it all stemmed from like me loving. So I'm from Canada and I live in Quebec and uh, we all love wolves. <laughs> so I, I, I may be generalizing, but anyways, I'm a wolf fanatic and uh, wolves and, 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 um, and moose and all those big majestic animals. So, and all that spiritual connection you know with uh, our first nations people who inculcated those really amazing um beliefs uh that still hold true for many people here today so i really wanted to integrate all of that uh into the book so they're basically there as guides as helpers as um so she will kind of like identify through those wolves and they're meant to be they're meant to be really cool and they're meant <laughs> to, you know, show her the way to her true self. I definitely got that spirit animal vibe as you were talking. 
Yes, cool. <laughs> cool. Well, it's because so basically when I wrote this again, when I wrote this, um, my cultural background is Celtic. So my name is Hennessy. I have Irish lineage, Scottish lineage. So basically Celtic, Gaelic, all of that. So it was really important for me to incorporate all of that into the book. But I'm also Canadian. And as a Canadian, I'm influenced by um by uh, First Nations people, by my French background from you know Europe, France, and all that. So it was really important for me to incorporate um, all of that. And so we'll notice right in the book from the start, you know, I right off the bat, we're like, uh, so, and that's another thing that I wanted to play with is that what I really enjoyed about post-apocalyptic and, and exploring a, a desolate future is that how can I put this is that I really enjoy the the fact that we're in the future there's relics of the past that are actually more advanced than where they are there so we start the book we're almost like pre-colonial so we're in these long houses that the um that the First Nations people would inhabit, you know, before we got the 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 the, the Europeans got here. Um, so we're and and I also incorporated, you know, the roundhouses from my Gaelic culture. So I really wanted to have like that melting pot of everything. So when we start exploring the setting, we really have this sense of. A, a very thick history, a very thick past. And I'm exploring that from a futuristic point of view where everything is gone. There's nothing left. They have no idea what the past is. And we find all these relics and they're living as, as pre-colonial because that's kind of like in our nature but they have all this technology at the tip of their fingers that they don't know what to do with. So that was like another big part of the world building that I was doing. Very that much inspired so cool. by my I, I'm hooked and I'm buying it right after this. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. My gosh, thank you so much. Yes, it's very tribal history. So if you enjoy that kind of stuff, and like I said, it's a mix of, you know, uh, artificial intelligence. So basically the premise of the whole book when I started was, it came from Einstein who said, I don't know what world, I don't, I know, how did it go again? I forget now, I, I said it about a thousand times and now that I want to say it. So I don't know how World War III will be fought, but I do know that World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. So for me, that was like the premise. That was what instigated the whole thing is that, okay, so you're in the future, you're fighting with sticks and stones, but we have all this technology that destroyed the planet. And that's, that's exactly where we start off uh, in the book. So yes, so well, thank you. <laughs> Very cool. It's reminding me of the book in the series, The 100. Have you watched that one? Yeah, so uh, yes, exactly. I did see, I didn't watch the whole series, but I did see part of it. And yes, there are definitely uh, much sim very similar tropes and things like that. And it's uh, funny because I watched it after I wrote the book because I was talking with someone and she said the same thing. And she's like, oh, that's really similar. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. So I went and checked and I was like, oh, that sounds, yeah, it's like the same. So I was like, oh, well, great minds think alike. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It is a very gritty series as well, though. Like I couldn't watch 
And I kind of fell off because it was just getting too hard for me to watch all the atrocities that happened. That happened, that. Ma'am. And and sometimes I will do that when I'm reading because I'm a, I'm a faint of heart reader. So I'll just skim whatever I don't want to read go. and then go on with the plot line. Well, then, you know, you have my full permission to skim through those parts that you're like, eh, this is too much for me. But yeah, it, it, towards the end, I have to say that you might be skimming a few chapters, well, not chapters, but a few paragraphs, because uh, uh, again, I take inspiration from everything around me. So, and I'm a huge movie buff. So as Quentin Tarantino said, he, he likes to steal. I like to borrow. <laughs> so I borrow from scenes and, and I'm very, my background is uh, screenwriting so I'm a very uh, scene I don't know how you say that but when I write scene when I write paragraphs it's like a scene that's unfolding in front of my eyes so uh, it's very visual that's it that's the word I was looking for I'm a very visual writer so yeah that background seems like it would help you tremendously in novel writing so yes and I'd say no at the same time because um, so when you're writing a script, um, they're two different beasts uh, for sure. They're two different beasts that you don't. Uh, and I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, well, I know how to write screenplays. I'll definitely know how to write a book. And it's a totally different beast. So where in a novel, you can elaborate and develop and go into the character's mind and, and really suss out, you know, minute details. You can't do that in um in a script because you can't like you can't show a person thinking like there's ways around it but it's not recommended if you want you know producers to read it to go into full detail of, uh, he was thinking this or she was thinking that because the, the the person can't show it physically on screen well okay she was thinking about you know committing suicide for example um so you can't show that so you have to be able when you're writing a script you have to be able to show every action so my books are very action-packed and i was kind of criticized by a few um readers saying oh well there's not enough like character development so i lacked on that part um because for me it was kind of obvious the character development uh because i was like showing it right and so but they really wanted some readers really wanted me to dive into the psyche of that person and I didn't have the I didn't have the natural inclination to do that because I was used to writing scripts where I have to show it and for me to show it and then explain it it was like I felt like it was overkill I was like well they I thought they would it would have been clear by the way that I show it right so now I know that in in book two and there was also part of me that did it on purpose so in book one you know I show a lot of this stuff but in book two I'll be explaining a lot of this stuff so yeah so so there was a bit of a conscious decision on my part but also I recognized that perhaps my background uh was a little bit uh uh, how can I put this? My background didn't uh, give me the opportunity to do much character development as people like to see inside the person's mind and stuff. So it's very action packed, um, but it does definitely help in elaborating uh, setting. So all of the comments were like, ah, amazing world building. She's, this is like amazing because we're literally, I'm literally seeing what I'm writing down and, and, and people can actually, you know, 
maybe close their eyes. Anyways, that's how I did it. You close your eyes and you can literally have like a 360 uh, vision of how the village looks exactly like that, you know? So, so there's, you know, pros and cons to having, you know, this screenwriting background, but definitely uh, two different beasts that you attack differently. Yeah, for sure. Right. I definitely wrote my first book that way too, because I was just writing it as I was sort of like seeing a movie in my head and my editor was like, you have to take a lot of this dialogue out. (laughs) And so, you know, she kind of helped me through like explaining what the characters were feeling or why they did X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I think my first book was not, I don't have that background, but I just wrote it as I was seeing in my head. I was seeing it, right. And that's that's the other thing is that, so I'm, my my key to success is that I'm really good at dialogue in the sense that I I can literally hear the two people doing it. So I knew right away, okay, I can't be too dialogue heavy because then you'll lose, you know, the reader. So I was really careful in, in, uh, in keeping the dialogue short and brief. And then, you know, having, uh, like you said, it, you know, it's, it's a, you have to have a good mix, a good balance of description of dialogue of plot, you know, thickening <laughs> and all that and subplots and, and all that. And I think uh, being a screenwriter first really helped me tie in all those subplots with the plot, because when you're writing a script, it's always you're always pushing the plot forward, uh, whereas the book is not necessarily like that. So that's why my book is tight and it's lean and it goes from one scene to the next and you're really just moving along. So. And you already answered my next question because I was going to ask, is there a book two? Yes, so there is definitely going to be a book two because there are questions not answered uh, and that we want to know. And uh, I do end it a bit on a cliffhanger, but I made sure to answer a lot of the, uh, you know, so you answer some questions and you leave a few others open. So I I did that. Um, So there will be a book two. I don't know if there'll be a book three. I'll see uh, how uh, book two evolves. Um, Well, if I can... Yeah, we'll see how book two evolves. Yeah. And what is the name? Are you, is it a series? Are you calling it a series? Well, yeah, so uh, it's the Pogrom uh, War series. Um, And the book two has a tentative title. Uh, I think it's called the Huntress, uh, the Huntress, shoot, I forget now. I had a few ideas, but I think it was along the lines of the Huntress Moon or something like that. Okay. Again, along the themes of hunting, hunters, uh, uh, female huntress, wolves, uh, and and all that. So, uh, so I think we're I'm leaning towards that one, but it, you know it can always change. We never know. Nothing's set in stone. <laughs> Very fun. Do you have a cover, or do you have a copy of your book sitting with you? If not, that's okay. I, I don't. Home. Sorry. Okay. No, I, I should have. Uh, but I guess because my kids are homeschooling right now and I had to get them all ready. And and I didn't realize that when we were going to do this, that they'd be home. So I was like rushing to get their lunch ready. So I didn't think to I was I didn't plan anything. I apologize. That's OK. I can definitely put it up for later. OK, good. Thank you. This is the question I love to ask on my authors, and I hope it doesn't take you by surprise. What do you want your readers to experience or take away from your book? Or from your book? Um, pardon me? 
from your book, I guess. Like oh, yeah. From my book. Okay. So, um, I guess, so I'm, I'm, so when I write scripts or books, uh, I'm always looking not for a gimmick, but I like surprises. So I like reading and being like, oh, you know, what? I didn't expect that, you know? So I always like to surprise my reader and, you know, send them down one direction and then give them, you know, a left turn. And they're like, what? I wasn't expecting this, but a fun left turn, you know? So, so I, I think I really hope that when they read my book, that they're surprised, um, that they're, uh, definitely, you know, invested in the characters. I, I spent a lot of time on the two main characters and I really love them with all my heart. And I hope that when readers read them, that they love them too, with all their vulnerability. So this book is definitely the, the main, the, the main, can, how, how do I put this? The, the French is battling the English right now. The main, um, uh, thread, you know, the conduce, the, the main thread that's pulling everything together is vulnerability. So both characters are extremely flawed, extremely vulnerable. They make a lot of mistakes and, and, and people pay the price for their mistakes and a lot of people get hurt, but at the end of the day, you know, they still get up and they still try to survive and they still try to, to, to make it, you know? So, so I hope that people are in, as invested in the characters as I am and uh, that they enjoy the journey that, you know, that, that they're on basically. And that they can identify a little bit with the characters as well, you know? So for me, a lot of people are like, oh, you're the main character. Cause a lot of authors, right. And you can perhaps attest to this. A lot of authors, um, you know, they write because their main character is a reflection. Well, maybe not their main character, but one of the characters is a reflection of, you know, who they are and, and they take a lot of what they have in and put it in the characters. So, and a lot of people are like, oh, do you identify with Ira? And I'm like, no, I pretty much identify with Dewar, the male protagonist in the book. And and but Ira is like the one I strive to become you know she's like this you know she this beaten and and she just she always falls down but she always manages to get back up and and be strong and you know do her best and uh, and and so yeah so I really love my characters <laughs> that's very cool that you did it that way like she is a reflection of where you want to go or who I want to go yeah exactly exactly Neat. And yet when you read her, you'll be like, holy cow, she's like nothing. She's nothing to brag home about. <laughs> she's just a, she's just a mess, you know, a mess of a human being. But I think that's what's beautiful about her. And that was another thing when I started all this thing, it was about is about doing a heavy contrast between. So what what is beautiful can also be ugly. What is ugly can also be beautiful. And it was and it was about so. So if you go like on my, yeah, well, anyways, I'll say that maybe later, but yeah. So when I wrote this whole thing, there was also this playing in the back of my mind of, of beauty and ugliness and violence and peace and what looks fine, maybe not, you know, all that it is. So there was a lot, a lot of that. And that's part of the reason why I love sci-fi fantasy dystopia is that you get to ask all of those questions and, and explore and, yeah and have fun with it basically 
I'm hearing so many layers to this book. I can't wait to dive into it. Oh, well, good. Thank you. Good. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, I meet your expectations. <laughs> Tell the listeners or watchers where we can find you and that thread that you were about to say, uh, maybe talking about your website. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, yes, that's exactly where I was going. So yeah, everybody can uh, find me at Kimberly T. Hennessy. So Kimberly L-Y-T and Hennessy S-S-Y, there's no E, uh, .com. And you'll find that uh, on the website, there's a, so because of my film background, I was able to do um, a small uh, short film. Um, and so on the, the first page of the website, you'll find a, a trailer for my book. And if you want to chat and discuss and everything, you can subscribe to my newsletter, which is where I'm most prolific. And that's where all, you know, my call, my peers, uh, my readers, and uh, that's where they communicate with me. And by subscribing, you get access to like the whole short film. Um, and, um, and yeah, and that's where people, I mean, I'm also on Facebook, Kimberly T. Hennessy again, author uh, on Instagram and, yeah, Instagram, I've not, I'm not super good with social media. So I do tend to go on it, but not as prolific as my newsletter, which is once a month. And that's where I talk about movies that I've seen recently or books that I've read and things like that. And that's where people, you know, that's where we talk and, and shoot the breeze. <laughs> that sounds like tons of fun. Do you feel like, okay, you talked about the film piece, which um, hello, can you make me a movie trailer from my book? <laughs> um, yeah, well, the, I, I, yeah, well, that one was because uh, I had the team, um, this was during my university, uh, well, when I was doing my master's degree uh, a few years ago, and I had this whole team with me, um, so it's, it's, it's a pretty, um, how can I put this? It's a, it's not the typical trailer that we see. So unfortunately, yeah, it takes a bit of budget to. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, it takes a That's bit of budget. That's very fun. Oh, wow. I can't wait to see it. And do you feel like novel writing was a natural progression of your career? Or did you yeah. always see it going that way? Uh, well, so I started off when I was pregnant. I started off wanting to write novels and I thought naively that once my baby was born she would sleep and I would write and it would be wonderful it didn't turn out like that at all she had a, a, an alert and she had an allergy to the bovine protein so anytime I would breastfeed her she would have terrible stomach aches so she, for the first six months of being a new mom she literally cried day and night so there was no way I was going to be able to write a book and then when we figured out what was wrong she transformed and was this loving little baby who was not in pain anymore but I realized that she wasn't a heavy sleeper so there was never any chunk of time where I could literally sit down and for novel writing you at least need two hours one like maybe half an hour just to get back into what you wrote the night before and then you know 
know, edit for, you know, another hour and a half, whatever you wrote, uh, or if you prefer, you know, to write new stuff. But there has to be a point where you need to sit down and kind of review what you've been doing because you don't know how to start where you left off, right? So you kind of have to get back into it. So I was like, this is not working. And, um, and so I started thinking, I was like, maybe I could write scripts. So I was thinking about that all the while trying to write my novel. Then I got pregnant a second time. And, and again, like I said, you know, this was me. Uh, this was like maybe four years where I'm trying to write novels. It's not working. And I'm still learning the robes, still trying to figure out how to get it done and then get pregnant, you know, a second time and realizing okay, this isn't working and then deciding, okay, I'm going to try scripts. So I already had a story in my mind that I wanted to write as a novel. And I just said, I'm going to take that and I'm going to write it as a script. And as a script, you don't need to have two hours ahead of you. You can really just dive in, write. It's very, it's sparse. I mean, you know, one page equals a minute in a movie. So basically, you know, you have a maximum big, big, that's like, huge maximum of 120 pages like you'd never get a script for 120 pages a producer would look at it and say this is way too long you know so it's like 100 pages and so 100 pages is easy to eat easy to read um and and easy to type because there's dialogue so when you're doing a character descriptions it's two lines max and then your dialogue takes up most of the space and then when you're describing a setting again maximum two lines so so much simpler very structured so easy to do so I kind of dove into that uh, studied for it studied producing screenwriting and decided to go towards that but my first love had always been you know writing novels um it's just that i never with the children at home i was you know i was at home i was studying um screenwriting um there was just no time to get back to it so it was only once my son started grade school and my daughter was already in school that i had time to look at it so that was you know a, so now he's in, in in grade six and it took me three years to write this novel because I was also relearning how to do it all right so it took me a good uh, well it took me a good I'd say uh eight months six to eight months to write it and then another two years to edit <laughs> So it was basically, you know, a lot of editing and I can't tell you how many times I rewrote the whole book because I was like, ah, this is, sucks. So start over, start from scratch. And then, um, and yeah, and so three, four years down the road, I had my very first novel and I was like, okay, I think the next one won't take me as long, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> so, but yeah, initially, and then with my background in screenwriting, I figured I was like, now that I know how to budget a movie and everything like that, I can maybe write a novel and then write the screenplay to go with the novel. So it was always like a question of maybe I could do both, um, but we'll see. I'm not, I'm, you know, I used to put all this pressure on myself uh, to get things done because I was getting older and I felt like I need, I need, I need to achieve something. And now I'm at just the point where, you know what, I'm just happy being able to write, being able to touch people. If they enjoy the book, that's great. If they don't, that's okay too. You know, you can't please everyone and just not put all that pressure on me because I was spending like 
so much time in front of the computer just because I needed to get it done and I wanted it to get done. And I was getting depressed because I was spending, you know, when you're working from home, you can literally wake up in the morning, sit in front of your computer. And then at night, it's like, ah, it's four o'clock, you barely ate. And then you're like, your brain is totally wired because it's been staring at a screen for like eight, nine hours straight. I was like this, I'm getting depressed. And, and I was not enjoying the process anymore because I was putting so much pressure. So now I'm trying to live a much more balanced, well-rounded life where I have interests other than just writing because uh, it was getting too much. Yeah, it can be a lot. I live in my character's heads a lot and sometimes it makes for good writing, but sometimes you have to step away. <laughs> you really do. And, and I find that if you limit chunks of time to write, you might be even more productive than if you just sit down at the computer for nine hours and go like, okay, so what am I going to write? You know, because you have all this time ahead of you, but if you actually, you know, put some time and you say like, okay, this, I have two hours to do this, then you'll be like, I need to get it done. And, um, and like you said, you know, even when you walk away from the computer, you're still thinking about it. So you're always, it's always on your brain. So it's just, it's too much. And you need to find, you need to find, yeah, a, a balance. With the subject matter, was it hard for you to write too? I have a, two dystopian books um, in a series and it was really hard for me to write because I had to put my characters through some really bad things. And so once I finished writing the dystopian book, I was like, okay, now I'm writing a romance because I can't, I can't go back there yet. And I still, but my dystopian had a pandemic in it. So for obvious reasons, I just kind of put that on the shelf for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, going through the motions, it's like, oh, it's enough. Uh, yeah, I guess there was, um, well, I found, I found, so for me writing like the violent scenes and things like that, again, you know, I'm so visual. It's like I'm watching a movie. So it's really about the mechanics. So, you know, and then all those emotions that are going through the character while this is happening, she's, she, she was on adrenaline, right? So she's not really going through those emotions. So now we're gonna be getting through the process of dealing with those emotions. So perhaps I will be, um, uh, it will be more of a test. Uh, she does go through some painful uh, moments and I'll have to say that, yes, it was tough to uh, tap into that. There were moments where I'm like, oh, you know, there's a tear shedding and I'm like, oh, and things like that. Um, but, um, but because she's such a trooper and she knows that she can't fall apart, uh, she definitely has a stiff upper lip and she just trudges through because she has to survive. So she's a survivor. Um, what I did find tough to write is that because we're in the future and we're looking at relics from the past that are more advanced than they are, uh, I didn't have a language for it. So often the characters find, I don't know, like, a, I don't know, a, a fridge, but they don't know what a fridge is. So I can't say, oh, this is a fridge because the character doesn't know it's a fridge. So I have to, I had to find like these really creative ways of explaining what the character is looking at and making sure that the reader can kind of go like, oh my God, she's looking at a fridge, right? So that I found hard because I had to find words and in, practically invent words um, 
to be able to discuss the setting. So yeah. Interesting. That's that's a very cool. Yeah. Something I hadn't thought of. Thought of yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. I I found like for example, you know, there's a scene. I won't say too much, uh, but there's a scene where you know it's kind of like a hall of mirrors, but it's not mirrors, right? So, and they don't say the word mirror, but they can see their reflection. And so I describe what they're looking at in their reflection. And I think, I won't say it because if you're gonna read it, I don't wanna sell you on it, but uh, yeah. So it's really explaining, you know, what they're looking at and trying to find creative ways to make sure that the reader gets what they're looking at, so. Well, it sounds to me like a great book and I can't wait to dig in. And I think a lot of our listeners will feel the same way. You've already told us where we can find you, Kimberly T. Hennessy on your website, as well as Facebook. And you have some cool extras for your newsletter subscribers. Yep. Is there any last words or any last tidbits you want to give us? Uh, well, thank you so much for having me again. Uh, thank you to all the readers that uh, are interested and even those that are not interested. If you do like the genre and you're like, oh, well, that's not my kind of book, please come and talk to me. I'm like, I love I love pretty much everything. Like right now, uh, I just finished watching The Witcher. <laughs> I'm like in love with The Witcher. So if you want to talk about The Witcher, if you want to talk about Dune, I watched Dune uh, a few months ago. That was amazing. Um, and so, yeah, if, I mean, if, you know, she runs with wolves is not your cup of tea. Well, you know, I have a whole set of cup of teas so <laughs> we can talk about anything. But uh, yeah, please uh, feel free to contact me and just talk. Fun. I love all those two. I just saw Dune the movie last week. So yes. Yeah. That was very was cool. so good. Huh? The movie Dune or Witcher? I saw the movie Dune. Yeah. Oh. I haven't like I tried to start watching the Witcher and I don't know why it didn't but I only watched like a few minutes of it. So I maybe I need to go back and try again. So. Did you watch the first year the first season or the second one? I I think I watched the first episode, but Okay. So anyways, first season way better. Uh, second season was was all right, but I really have a thing for um, Henry Cavill. So <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, he's so sexy. But um, yeah, uh, the second season, I have to say that he was not him, but the, I don't know, I found that the storyline wasn't as, uh, as, as tight and as in the first season so I find I found that there not much happened in the second season so I wasn't as as impressed but the, as the first season especially since I had read the books from the first season and uh, I found that they had done a fantastic job of adapting the whole thing and then, and then in this one I was like eh, they kind of muffed up on it but dune oh my god what an incredible adaptation right i and i have to confess i didn't read the book or i didn't read read book? It, and i didn't watch the first movie so i have no frame of reference but no i loved it so. you loved it okay well so i'm not surprised because i loved it too but see my husband didn't read the book and me throughout the whole movie i'm going oh my god this is amazing oh my god this is amazing it's incredible and he's like well it's a bit slow and i'm like what are you kidding me how is it it's not slow but maybe had you not like, and then that's what I thought. I was like, well, maybe if he didn't read the books for him, I guess it is kind of slow, but so you enjoyed it regardless. So. Yeah, because I think it was three hours, right? And then I never sit still for three hours. So, and you're yeah. like fine with it. Too, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, 
for me anyways, like I, and that's part of the love of, of screenwriting and writing novels is seeing how masters like Denis Villeneuve managed to take this, this complicated book, like, you know, when I was reading, I was like, what's happening here? And I had to go back and because there's so many names, right? And you get lost and you're like, who are we talking about? So I really enjoyed the book because the level of complexity and the world building and 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 all that is just mind boggling. And I, I'm in total awe of the book. Uh, but to adapt it is not easy. And the proof is, is that, you know, the first um, now, David, I have Fincher in my head, but um, shoot, the first uh, director that did it, anyways, I forget his name, uh, you know, he kind of bungled it up. Uh, it, it wasn't the movie that he wanted to make, but still, I mean, there were really, it wasn't the best. So when Denis Villeneuve, you know, he brings that to the silver screen and you're like, oh, it's just, it's a beautiful work of art. I just, I'm in total admiration of this man. He's just such a good, and he does so many sci-fi stuff that is just right in my cup of tea. So <laughs> I'm in real, I, I'm in love with Denis Villeneuve. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's so great that you are here. I appreciate you talking with us today and I look forward to reading your book. Well, thank you so much. And this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy uh, to have been here. So thank you. Well, I certainly enjoyed it. So thank you as well. It's good. Thanks. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Tricia Copeland and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic.